Alright, so what are some of the answers y'all came up with? Anyone want to share some of the answers they came up with? Attitude. Actions towards other people. Eric, did you have your hand up? Judgment. Uh, did anyone say, like, quiet time, how much time you spend with God, or the warm fuzzies you get when you worship or something? Well, a lot of times, that's how most people do perceive their relationship with God. Most people are like, oh, I get warm fuzzies when I read my Bible, or when I sing a song, I raise my hands, and I get all these warm fuzzies. But I just want to read some quotes for you all real quick. Um, C.S. Lewis said, to love at all is to be vulnerable. And this is one of my favorite quotes that I just came to realize. Rick Joyner said, I have often heard, I love God, but just don't like His people. Have you ever said that or said that to someone? I love God, but I don't like you. I wanted to buy a shirt that said, I love God, or God loves you, but I hate you or something. Because that's how a lot of us look at life. Like, there's so many people that we don't like. And there's, the surveys show that there's 40% 16 through 29 year olds and that there's 40% of our generation do not believe in God and do not know God 40% or they don't accept 40% usually when I say 40% that's a big number to me I go to Starbucks and I see like 28% recycled paper that's not a big number but 40% is a pretty big number not believing and not wanting to know God and out of that 40% 84 people in the United States say they know a Christian personally I want you to guess what the percentage is that they see a life change. How many people see a life change in people's life that's a Christian? You want to take a guess at the, what the percentage is? Two? A little too low. Uh, Twelve. Fifteen. Out of 84% of people say they know a Christian, 15% say they see a lifestyle change. And I see like a huge difference and a huge problem right there. If only 15% of people are actually living like they're supposed to be. What are, some, what are some reasons that people don't accept God, don't accept Christians? Some of the reasons i found is, one, because we're not very accepting. As a body of believers, as a church, as a youth group, we're not accepting to other people. We're judgmental. When people walk in, we judge them. We condemn them. We're hypocritical. We all do it. And these are some major problems we have. Because everybody... A lot of people I meet, I see, I ask, why do you want to see God do? And they're like, I want to see God move through this generation. I want to see God move through this nation. But then I ask them, what are you doing? They're like, I'm not, I'm reading my Bible. I'm doing my quiet time. I'm following God. But that's not enough. If you thought that just reading your Bible, doing your quiet time, coming Sunday and Wednesdays, raising your hands, singing a song, getting more fuzzies is enough, it's not. The main purpose is to love God and love people. And that's what I love about chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians. Because most people read it and they're like, oh, this is such a sweet little love. Oh, him to love between a man and a wife. If you go to a wedding, you're mostly going to hear these verses. And sometimes I just laugh in my head because it's not, Paul did not write to the Corinthians like, hey, this is just, this chapter is just for when you marry a woman. That's what it's for. It's not for, hey, this is how God loves you. It's not just that. Paul wrote to the Corinthians because they were 
struggling with arrogance among members. There's older believers, more mature believers who came to God first and came to Jesus first. And they were just looking down on everybody else. They were, they were not helping the lower people, the people who did not know God. They were misusing their gifts and their talents. Like, they were speaking tongues. They were misusing it. They would just misuse everything they had. They were not witnessed effectively. They were not build up those who were weak. If they saw a weak believer, they just let him be there. They would sue each other. They had so many problems with not loving each other. And Paul wrote to them, describing this. And this is why we have 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to kind of dive into this. In the first three verses it says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as so to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I do not deliver my body, or I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So basically, if we misuse our gifts that God gives us without love, we're not doing anything. If, if pastors were to get up here, and people, pastors do, to get up here and preach and condemn their congregation and just do it just to do it and not have love, there's no really point. You don't profit anything. If you're doing impact, you're just like, if you're doing something just to be seen, I used to challenge my youth to, when I worked at another church, I challenged them to pick up a tray for someone, go help a teacher, like, clean up after people leave a classroom, after a service was over. And people would do it, and they're like, oh, look at me, I'm picking up chairs, I'm doing this, all for the wrong reasons. We always do it, we always tend to do things for the wrong reasons. Because we want to be seen, we want everyone to see us doing something right. But that's not what it's about. If you do something, if we were to lead worship without having love, we would just be confusing you. Most people think Christians are judgmental, unaccepting, and confusing because for one second we're like, God, I love you. Have you ever seen someone driving down the road and like listening to worship music? You've probably done this, like listening to Caleb or something. Someone cuts you off and you start yelling at them, throwing the finger or something, or start yelling at them. I mean, people say, we seriously do that. Like, we're so confusing people because we're sitting here and we're like, we love God, I love you, I love you, I love you, but I don't love you. I think you're annoying. Seriously, we say that so many times. I would ask how many people would raise their hands to admit that, but most of y'all wouldn't, and I would just call you liars. Because we do. Without love, we would misuse our gifts. How many of y'all know who John Foreman is? Does anyone know who John Foreman is? How many of y'all listened to his, um, his EP CDs he came out? This is one of my favorite songs by his called Instead of a Show. It says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your praise, the hypocrisy of your festivals. I hate all your show. Away with your noisy worship, away with your noisy hymns. I stomp on my ears when you're singing them. I hate all your show. Instead, let there be a flood of justice, an endless precision of righteous living. Instead, let there be a flood of justice. Your eyes are closed when you're praying. You sing right along with the band. You shine up your shoes for services. There's blood on your hands. You turn your back on the homeless and the ones that don't fit in your pain, into your plan. Quit playing religion games. There's blood on your hands. This is one of my favorite songs of probably all times. I would probably, if I ever died, I would probably want this to be at my funeral because it's so true. 
so often we come to church and we try to put on this Jesus suit and we try just to go through and act like we love everybody and tolerate people. But we don't. And Paul continues to write, he says, Love is patient, kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at the wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. I think, can you all like find someplace else in the Bible? Can you think of someplace else in the Bible that this parallels to? Anybody? This parallels to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. Does anyone know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Bobby? What is the fruit of the Spirit? Sweet. Give him a round of applause. But see, this parallels with the fruit. So often, we're not, we're not patient with people. When I'm at Starbucks, I would like my coffee like right when I order it. I hate waiting. I'm a very impatient person. I try to go fishing. I cannot sit there and wait for the fish to come. I mean, I'm so impatient. I'm the guy that you see sitting in the river with a shotgun shooting at fish. Because I want them now. But see, we have to be patient. And it's so hard to be kind to people too. How many, do you, how many people do we know? How many of us here know someone who just annoys us? It just, they're just so annoying. If you don't raise your hand, it's probably you. No offense, but it's probably you. But we do. But we're supposed to be patient and kind and accept them. If we go on to read, it says, I like, I like how this says, this says, oh, where am I at? I just lost my spot. But, how many, envying, do you envy someone else's gifts that you don't have? Like if someone else is really good at singing, do you like, man, I wish I could sing. I wish I had their gifts. We're not supposed to do that because people, the Corinthians were envying others' gifts. If there's people who could speak in tongues, people like, that guy sucks. He can speak in tongues, but I can't. We're not supposed to do that. God gave each of us a special gift. Some multiple, some just maybe one. But God gave us all gifts that we're supposed to use to further His kingdom. But if we're sitting here envying other people's gifts, and like, I want that gift and that gift. Why didn't I get that one? We're not really going to further the kingdom. We're just going to mess people up on the way getting there. In the NIV version, it says, It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. How often, do you know anybody who like, keeps a record of wrong like every time someone does something to them? One of my friends, like, he seriously remembers every single thing someone did to him that was wrong. Like, we were playing a game, and I accidentally hit him in the head with a tennis ball, and he remembers that to this day, and that was like three years ago. And he will not let it go. You cannot do that. You cannot, if someone hurt you in the past, it's time to let it go. It says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. When you look at this passage, it says, it has three, it says, bears, believes, hopes, and endures. It's just not good enough to believe in all things. You have to bear all things. It's not good enough just to tolerate. You have to love people. We're called to love people. The Pharisees ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love the God with all your heart. I don't know that. Oh. That's what she's talking about next week. 
Alright, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second of these is love the neighbor as yourself. So we go on and it says, something I really see, something that I really see that hurts me a lot, is we look at those kids on the TV, on that video, and we feel the pain for those kids. We feel pain for kids in Africa, or Malaysia, or Asia, or wherever. We feel pain for those kids. But there's people here in the streets of Temple, in the streets of Belton, Texas, this nation, that we just look down on. We go to Austin, we drive through Austin, and we see the homeless guy with the sign. And all we do is think, I'm not giving that guy money, because he's just going to spend it on booze or drugs. We look down on him. We say, get a job, clean your life up, but we don't help him. That's what the Corinthians are basically doing. We look down on these people who are not like us, who are not well-dressed occasionally. We look down on them. One of my friends, he was sitting there talking about how people shouldn't be prostitutes or any, how homeless people are bad. And I was looking at him, I was like, who are we to judge somebody? Who are we to judge the prostitute, the hooker, the homeless person? The person that sits next to us in English class. The person who sits by himself at lunch. Who are we to look at that person and judge and condemn them? People walk out of church every day and they say, I love God, but that person was so annoying sitting in the row behind me. Where is the love at? I mean, does anybody want to see God move through the nation or move through temple or your high school? Does, I mean, if you want to see that, if that's really a passion to see God move, you have to begin with love. It keeps going and says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. All these gifts we have right now, they're going to pass away. Nothing is going to live forever. But the one thing that will endure forever is love. If you think, oh, I'm such a great singer right now, it's pretty soon it's going to be gone. All gifts, all talents you have right now, they're going to be, they're going to pass away. Because it says, For we know in part and prophesize in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be passed away. When I, was, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. One way to start loving people is to start maturing. Because, have you ever seen someone who's like, over 40 and they still acted like a little kid I mean a lot of times you can look at youth pastors and be like wow that guy's old but he still acts like a little kid no offense Dave you're not old you're just close but seriously it's it's kind of creepy to see like an old guy have you all seen the movie Jack with Robin Williams maybe it's sad but to see like an old guy acting like a little kid is just weird I mean do you always want to be, I want to ask this, but do you always want to be a child? Do you always want to have your childish ways? Don't say yes, please, Bobby. 
Was that right? Uh, getting close. All right. But see, without maturing, without if we just all live like a child, we will confuse people. If we all just continue to have this childish faith and not love God and not love His people, we're just going to confuse people like crazy. And the number from 40%, I think they said on the rising, in the next couple of years, it's going to be 50%. And then it's going to keep rising up and up. And the number for people seeing changed lives is going to be dropped down from 15 to something lower. I mean, as a youth group and as being here, part of being an intern for this past year, I have seen people walk into this room, and this is my fault too, walk into this room, stand on the back wall, big group of people talking right next to them, and then they just, that person just walks right back out and just leaves. Because we do not love that person. We just let them go. But what about that person that got let go? What if that person never comes back to church? The person who just gets up and leaves and just goes someplace else, just goes to be someplace else except here. The person that you see walking the hall by himself because they're the outcast. No one likes them. What about that person? I mean... Yes, it might seem like, oh, that's just only one person. We don't want heaven to get overpopulated. It's just one person. Y'all know the story about the parable of the sheep? Y'all know that parable? Well, the shepherd was watching the sheep. He had a hundred. One sheep went missing. The shepherd left all those sheep to go find his one sheep. Just one sheep. One person matters. Loving everybody matters. It's not just enough to love God. He closes out with, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and I shall know, know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, the grace of these in love. Back in the time of Jesus, back in like the 50s, 80s, mirrors were very dim. They were like just polished metal, so they were dimmer today. They were dimmer than today. But when they looked at it, because we're made in the image of God, we look at God and we try to bring God down to our level. We try to bring God down to being a person like us in our body. But He's not. We One day is coming pretty quickly, I think. In my eyes, it's coming rather quickly. We're going to see face to face what perfect looks like. What loving really looks like. Because this concept of love, it's not something easy to grasp. It's something that we're all going to struggle with. But God's not going to ask you what you did. He's not going to ask you, so what all did you do for me? I did impact, I went to church, um, ski trip, led worship, Bible study teacher, um... Yeah, all those. He's not going to ask you what all you did, I don't think. I honestly think God's going to be like, did you love me? And did you really love my people? Because it's so easy just to love God and not to love the outcast. In Matthew 25, 31-46, it said, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. 
all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as shepherds separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed, to my, to, blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited, invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? When do we see you need clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and come visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of these, one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry, thirsty, a stranger, in prison, sick, or naked? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. It's not enough just to love God. It's not enough. I'm sorry to say, it's not enough. It's not enough to come here on Sunday or Wednesday, put your hands up, get warm fuzzies. It's not enough just to love God. It's about loving God, loving others, more than you love yourself. Some of us love ourselves a lot. I used to love myself a lot, no, no lie. I used to be very prideful about it. But it's about loving others more than you love yourself. It's about serving others. It's about being the light in the dark places. It's about being the church, and not just the building of a church. It's about being a body of believers. It's about being the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm pretty random when I speak. I go from point A to point like Z to point B. But I hope that what you get out of this is if you thought it was just enough just to love God and just to show up here, talk with your friends... It's not. I mean, sometimes we do have to go out of our way and out of our comfort zone to love others, but we are called to do it. In 1 John it says, if you, do not, if you say, I love God, but do not love your brother, you do, not have love, you do not have God in you, because God is love. God is love. If you really want to know more about love, read 1 John. 1 Corinthians 13, and just don't read it looking at it as a hymn to love, like this is how love is between a man and a woman. Yes, it is. But it's more than that. It's a love that we have to have between each other as a youth group, as a community, as a nation, as a body of believers. Because I don't want to see these numbers rise up of people not knowing God and not accepting Him because we're too judgmental, we're too condemning. We're too hypocritical. We're too confusing, non-accepting. I don't want to see that happen. I don't think any of y'all want to see that happen either. 
But if we just continue to go on our way and love God only, it's going to happen. There's no stopping it. So I just want you to remember, it's about loving God. It's about loving others. It's about being the places in it's about being the light in the dark places. It's about being the hands and feet and serving others. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to speak here today, God. And I pray whatever came out of my mouth, it was from you, God. And that we heard it, God. And we hear this call to love others, to love the unloved. To love the ones who are the outcasts, who are the broken, who do not know you, God. To love them no matter what it takes. And to do it because we love you, because you are love. You're the perfect example of love. You came here to serve, not to be served. And God, I just wish that we could follow into that footsteps, follow in those footsteps and serve and not just be served. Live and not just strive and not just try to exist. God, pray that you keep us safe in these weeks to come till we meet again. In your name we pray. Amen.